Hello, and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I just got a new computer. She did, and it looks fantastic. And we are your hosts for this evening. You guys probably won't be able to see the quality of <laughs> of like what all is happening on her end, but take my word for it. It looks good. <laughs> yeah, and it's pink. Yes, she she got the, is it like the new Mac the new IMAX, like the M1 or something like that. Yeah, it's whatever okay. they're selling at Apple. Yeah, because I, I saw a commercial for it earlier today, and they were like blue and, and green, I think, and just a bunch of different colors. And I was like, yeah. that that's enticing. I think I, I got the cheapest version. Mm-hmm. So there was only like three colors, to, four colors to choose from. But they had pink, and that's the important part, right? I have one of the like old 2013 ones that I got off of a website called Back Market, where they sell um, basically used electronics, and it it's fine. But Apple does that thing where they make things obsolete by not offering <laughs> their free software anymore. I, the only reason I got it was because of like GarageBand. To be fair, it is nine years old. Okay, and that's but it, usually. It wasn't when I bought it. <laughs> well, no, but it, that's usually when, from what I've researched, it's eight to ten years is when it's... I mean, it still functions. I just wanted to be able to use GarageBand, which is free, but they don't offer it for computers that <laughs> can't go up to, I guess, like a certain OS thing. So it's like, what? Oh, you can't update it? No. and So mm-hmm. I can't use GarageBand, which I'm not paying like over a thousand dollars for a new computer just to use a free software so <laughs> that's fair anyway first world problems am i right yeah yeah so this case is the suitcase murder is this the one that you sent me over tiktok a while back yeah okay because i think it would be good for february yeah i mean why not <laughs> I am I am intrigued because like that the only thing I know about it was that video that you sent me and it's been a while so to be I'm, fair I didn't even watch the video all the way through I just saw cases to be interested <laughs> about suitcase murder I was like all right let me go take a note well I mean as long as you like looked into it it's fine you don't need to watch the video right no so I guess we can go ahead and roll right into it correct correct Brittany take it away okay. So this is the suitcase murder. So let's start at the beginning. Bill McGuire was born on September 14th, 1964. That's very old. That is so old. <laughs> my uh, my mom was born in 61. So yeah, I can confirm that is old. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie. Okay, it's either Melanie or Melanie. And I think it's Melanie. Melanie and Bill met while working at the same restaurant. I don't know which restaurant I can find it. And it was like love at first sight for both of them. Um, This is important to remember later. But Melanie was 5'4". She was brunette. And she was like very tiny. She was very petite. So eventually the two started dating. Bill would later go on to join the Navy and eventually became a computer uh, analyst. Melanie would go on to become a registered nurse at a fertility clinic called the Reproductive Medicine Associates. They would eventually get married in 1999, and they have two sons. Okay. So suitcase. There's three suitcases. Three suit. Oh. Suitcase number one. On May 5th, 2004, two fishermen and one of their young sons were out on the water. They noticed a suitcase floating nearby the boat and decided to pull it up. 
As they were pulling it out of the water, they were shocked at how heavy the suitcase was. The young boy, I think he was like six. Oh, no. Was on the boat, insisted that they open the suitcase in hopes they would find buried treasure. This poor sweet baby. I know. (laughs) But once they opened it, they were horrified to discover two human legs wrapped in black garbage bags. Trauma. Yeah, I know. It was – okay, this is a quote from one of the witnesses. Um, It was a pair of legs from the knees down. They looked like they had been sawed off. Which is typically how you dismember a body. Yeah, but I I mean, it depends on, like, what kind of instrument you use to saw it off. Like, if you use, like, a regular, like, handsaw, you know, it's probably going to be more jagged than if you used, like, I don't know, like, surgical instruments. It's like Mm -hmm. in shows when they're like, oh, the the precision... It's how they you identify know how like, hard it weapons. is to like dismember a human body, though. Um, no, because that's not something I typically. Well, like you have <laughs> to saw through to do. the bone. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. There's you've got the muscles, you got the tendons, you got the bones. Like it's. Well, I'm sure it's... that is easy, but like the bone is hard. <laughs> yeah, I I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm. Do you have something to tell us, Brittany? Yeah, I dissected a cow eyeball in seventh grade. That's pretty easy. There's no bones. There's in no the bones. Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm suspicious. Okay, this is the second suitcase. On May 11, 2004, a bird watcher, a poor bird watcher, it's probably some old person. I love old people. <laughs> a bird watcher on the shore of Fisherman's Island, Virginia, discovered a dark colored suitcase that had washed upon the shore. It smelled like decomposition, so instead of opening it, she immediately called the police, which Smart is like. Move. Yeah. I just want to know how she knew what decomposition smelled like. Well, I imagine if you're a bird watcher, you're probably out in nature where, like... I thought you were about to say she's probably out naked. I was like... Yes, you're out naked. No, you're out in nature. (laughs) There are probably dead animals you stumble upon every now and then. I mean, that would be my guess. Like, here in our backyard, we have some woods, and occasionally, because it's, like, right near the woods, too, like, a deer might get hit by a car, and then it gets thrown into the woods. That's <laughs> awful! It happens. They're stupid. They run out in front of cars. I feel no sympathy for them. I <laughs> but... feel awesome. They're so cute. <laughs> and so, like, sometimes there will be a decomp- like a decomposing deer carcass in our backyard, and that's Brie, why we have That's to... awful. Listen... I, like I said, I feel no sympathy for them. <laughs> it's like, okay, if I am driving, if I'm the only person on the road, why are you running out in front of my car? I don't know any better. We're that, in their home. Hence why I said they're stupid. <laughs> they have tiny brains. Brain. Yes, yes. They have tiny bird brains and they're stupid. Okay, <laughs> um, okay so the suitcase went, was sent to the medical examiner who discovered a human head and an upper torso inside the suitcase. Mm-hmm. The torso had two bullet wounds and the head had one bullet wound in the forehead. Well, I guess we know what the uh, manner of death was, right? <laughs> Cause of death. Suitcase number three. So this is the third and final suitcase, but on May 16th, 2004, so it was May 5th, May 11th, May 16th, the third and final suitcase was found floating near the second island of the bridge tunnel off Chesapeake Bay. It contained the lower part of a human torso and arms. Well. So, 
The police began looking into a nearby missing person case to figure out whose body they had just discovered. Since Virginia Beach had a large military base nearby, they initially thought the body belonged to somebody who was in the military. Mm-hmm. So the police released a composite sketch to the public, and soon after, they received a tip from someone believing the person in the sketch was Bill McGuire. The body was identified identified on May 21st, 2004 by Jonathan Rice, a former friend of Bill McGuire who's also in the Navy with him. Mm-hmm. Virginia would later confirmed that the body was indeed Bill McGuire to the public and go on to hand the case over to New Jersey State Police since that's where Bill was from. Yeah, but sorry, I'm just wondering, like, why would you hand it over to them? Like, what if the murder had happened in your state? You would still have I guess because it was a suitcase, so they can't prove that it happened in Virginia. That's true. So on May 25th, 2004, Melanie McGuire had filed for divorce, and on May 26th, the police had advised her of her husband's death. Melanie told police that Bill and her had just celebrated their five-year wedding anniversary, but their relationship had been rocky from the start. The two of them had gotten to a really bad fight prior to going missing, and the fight was a result of their newly bought house. So Melanie reported that Bill had wanted to move to Virginia Beach, and hated that they settled in Woodbridge, New Jersey. The argument started around 2 a.m. on April 29, 2004, and Melanie claimed that Bill smacked her and shoved a dryer sheet into her mouth and then stormed out of the house around 2.30 a.m. That's very specific. Why a, why a dryer sheet? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... So random. Yeah. According to her, this is not the first time Bill had gotten physical with her. Bill's body was soon released to Melanie, who immediately had him cremated. Which, okay, so I can play devil's advocate with that because he is muted, like, dismembered. So He's dismembered. He's also already pretty badly decomposed. Because he was point. in water. Yeah. So, so. I, I see why she cremated him, just to play devil's advocate. Yeah. The funeral that was held only lasted 10 to 25 minutes, which police found strange, as well as Bill's friends. I don't know. I've only been to, like, two funerals. Three funerals. Yeah. I mean. So, it, I don't know how long they're supposed to last. I don't know how, they're, how long they're supposed to last well, either. Also, you got to think it's not like an open, she's not having him buried. So I get that because you're having her. Sometimes there's like a viewing and then there's like the actual like burials. The funerals. Well, it's usually I think it's the viewing of the body, which either happens right before the night before Mm -hmm. the actual funeral. And then the burial, which there's okay. a service by the burial. At mm-hmm. least that's for, that's what happened for both of my grandparents. But yeah. for Chris's grandma, she was cremated. So we had a, like a celebration of life. Yeah. I can't remember how long that lasted. I think it yeah. was like 30 minutes. Yeah. And I mean, it like you said, he was cremated. So it's not like there was any... I mean, I think it depends on if like there were a lot of people who wanted to say something about mm-hmm. him. But 10 to 25 minutes, I mean... It's a little strange, but I guess not that weird. I mean, weird. 10 minutes, I guess, is yeah. odd. But, like, 25. That's yeah. a big time. Yeah, that's, like, that's time a good 15 too. minutes, depending on, like, which side you're claiming is the correct, <laughs> like, yeah. minute count. So, the police found that it was strange that the funeral lasted so long. And so did Bill's friends, which mm-hmm. Bill's friends... Or I didn't like Melanie, I guess because the relationship was so, like, rocky. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of, like, already adamant that she was the one who did it anyways. Mm -hmm. Police told Melanie that they had found Bill's blue 2002 Nissan Maxima in Atlantic City. And she claimed that wasn't suspicious because Bill had a gambling problem and went to Atlantic City quite a lot. I mean, it's right there because it's it's in New Jersey. So, I mean. I thought it was in Atlanta. So I was really confused. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, Atlantic City is um, it's on it's the coast. City, yeah. yeah, it's on the coast if I remember right of New Jersey, but I've never been, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's it's kind of like the East Coast Las Vegas, I guess, in a way. New Jersey police began suspecting Melanie as the killer after evidence against her began to pile up. It eventually came out that Melanie and her boss, Dr. Bradley Miller, were having a long-term affair. Hey, do you know him? You know him? Because <laughs> no. you're shaking your head. Oh. No, I was shaking my head because I'm like, yeah, that's usually what happens. Somebody tur- turns out somebody's having an affair. But no, I do not know him just because we have the same last name. <laughs> in love, in love. It's a very, very common last name. <laughs> um. Okay. The affair began when Melania was pregnant with her second son. Wow. <laughs> um, I'll be a dog to go after a pregnant woman. Well, do we know if the second son was actually Bill's or if it was this dude's? It was Bill's. Okay. Because I was yeah. going to say, like, what if it started before she was pregnant? But No, it started, played... like, while she was she was carrying. Like, she was, Damn. like, four or five months. Wow. <laughs> okay. So what happened to Bill? Yes, that is the question. Okay, so I'm going to go through, like, basically the prosecution story of what happened. And then we'll go over the evidence against okay. uh, plot twist Melanie. It was Melanie. Um, <laughs> okay. But let me just go over what happened, and then I'll go over the evidence, because it makes okay. more sense to do it that way. So on April 28, 2004, Melanie dropped her sons off at daycare at Kinder Castle Daycare in Matuchin, New Jersey. She then stopped by Walgreens on Durham Road in Edison, where she purchased a two-ounce bottle of chloral hydrate, which is known as the knockout drug, right after dropping the kids off at daycare. So if you don't know what chloral hydrate is, it is used as a sedative and a hypnotic pharmaceutical drug that is used as short-term treatment of insomnia. It's supposed to knock the shit is, out of you. Yeah, is that something that you would need a prescription for, though? Because I feel like if it's... Mm-hmm. Then how then how is she able well, to... get there! <sighs> Well, I guess if she's having an affair with a doctor, okay, I answered my own question. Continue. Later that day, she joined Bill at a local law office to close the deal and collect the keys to her to their new 500,000 house that they had just purchased. It was their first home together, and it was described as a center hall colonial on an acreage in a quiet community. I don't know what any of that means. I know they have an acre, though. <laughs> Um, colonials is like I know the style what the colonial is, yeah. But what is center hall colonial? That I don't know. That I would okay. have to Google. I don't like. I watch enough HGTV to know what a colonial is, but not that much. We used, yeah, we used to live in a colonial. Okay, so that night the two were gonna celebrate by sharing a glass of wine. But plot twist, Melanie served Bill a sedative laced glass of wine, which cannot be good for your liver. <laughs> I mean, you're you're not wrong, but also that's very like TV movie villain <laughs> way to well, knock somebody out. Women killers no, usually are poisoners. They, yeah, they tend to poison people, and then men are usually more violent means of doing it. So, okay, so shortly after sedating her husband, Melanie called Dr. Miller, who told her, "Why did you want to? Why did you want to buy a half a million dollar house with Bill if you're just going to divorce him?" Which that's is a valid question. That's a good point. <laughs> So the same night, once Bill had fallen asleep, Melanie sent Miller a message stating that everything would be fine. And then she then called him to say her husband had fallen asleep. But when he woke up the next morning, she would ask for a divorce. So I think Dr. Miller wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Well, it, it de- that's definitely something I would, I notice in a lot of like affairs is that one of them at some point is usually like, 
I want to be with you, but you like need to leave the other person. And then, yeah, they, they give that ultimatum at some point. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you can only be in a in an affair for so long before the other person is just like, why are you still with this other person if you clearly don't want to be with them? Mm-hmm. Cheaters suck. Thanks. Absolutely. At 6, 17 a.m. on April 29th, a message sent from Bill's Blackberry that had failed to be sent. So, like, they sent, but it came back. Yeah. It stated that Bill was sick and that he would not be into work that day. So later that morning, around like 8, 8.30, Melanie McGuire piled her two boys into her Nissan Pathfinder to drop them off. Damn, they drive a lot of Nissans. Pathfinder, Maxima. Maxima. I mean, it's a reliable car. (laughs) It's not as reliable as a Toyota. I wouldn't know. I've never had one. Toyota would last till the wheels fall off, and they might still (laughs) last after that. Okay. So the boys, her son, I'm not going to name her sons, by the way, because I don't want to. That's fine. The boys were four and one, so Melanie had already called in sick where she worked, claiming that her and Bill had had a huge fight the night before, which lined up to what she told the police. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bradley Miller suggested she pop a Xanax to calm her nerves. Valid. This was just day, the day, okay, so they had closed on the house on the 28th, this is 29th. This is okay. just the day after the two had purchased their first home together. So when she returned to the house, the neighbors had already left for work, and the neighborhood was, like, seemingly quiet. Mm-hmm. Bill was still asleep, probably because she laced his drink yeah. with yeah. a knockout drug in the master bedroom when she returned from taking the boys to daycare. Um, she grabbed a pillow, which is so, like, movie. Yeah, it's like the more you're talking, I'm just like, this is <laughs> this is like the plot of a, a, a Law Order episode. <laughs> Okay, so she grabbed a pillow, pushing the gun against it, and shot Bill once in the head and twice in the torso. She used the pillow to prevent blood splatter and muffle the sound of the gunshot. Get a silencer, stupid. That's illegal. Okay, <laughs> so is murder, but she clearly doesn't have an issue with that. <laughs> okay, so she had she had used a thirty-eight caliber rifle to shoot him. The woman then dragged Bill's body into the shower and used bags of ice to keep his body from decomposing. Which, I guess, she just placed it around the shower, but I don't see how that stops it from decomposing. She's well, not actually freezing it. Yeah, but, I mean, it keeps it cooler. And the, this was in, like, springtime, so, I mean, it might not have been as cold as needed, would be my guess. Yeah. So the shower contained the bodily fluids as she began to dismember him and made for an easy cleanup. That's what the article said. I was like, okay. <laughs> Cool. I mean, that's they're not wrong, because <laughs> you can just wash it down once you're done. She would then take her black and green Kenneth Cole suitcase. Can we talk about the bl- Kenneth Cole? I have not seen <laughs> Kenneth Cole since the 2000s. Maybe this is why. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay, so she would take her black and green Kenneth Cole suitcase set and shove the body parts that were wrapped in black garbage bag into the suitcase. <laughs> It's not funny. It's just... It's very specific. Like, I didn't need to know what brand of suitcase. (laughs) I think it comes... Well, it comes back into play. I'm sure it does. After her sons get out of daycare, she quickly, like, stops what she's doing. And she drives them to her parents' house where she drops them off. You have to be... busy. You have to be some type of person to be able to compartmentalize like that. It's kind of like Daniel Wozniak. Do you remember when... Yeah. Yeah, it's just like... You, you murder this dude 
and then you go and do a play and then you go and murder somebody else and you're just like going about your life like how do you do that special type of sociopath yeah honestly okay so later that same night so after she's murdered her husband and Mm -hmm. chopped him up in little pieces (laughs) melanie checks herself into a red roof inn in edison and stays there for three nights this is like a little vacay (laughs) that's not suspicious or anything (laughs) like you literally just bought a house and you're staying at a hotel for three nights like well she's just murdered some it's bloody Shower. She can't shower there. Just after midnight on April 30th, 2004, a surveillance camera caught someone getting out of Bill's 2002 blue Nissan Maxima that was found in Atlantic City in front of the Flamingo Hotel. This was to believe to be Melanie. I just... (laughs) I guess surveillance cameras weren't as much of a thing as they are now back then, but still, I'm like... Guys. I mean, at a hotel, they're going to have a surveillance camera. Yeah. in Atlantic City. Yeah, I'm just like, especially, why would you put it in a public place like that, I guess? Like, I guess if you want it to be found, that's one thing. But, like, you're, there's going to be You'll cameras. Somebody, there's going to be cameras or a witness. Somebody's going to see you. She could have worn a mustache. <laughs> yes, because that's very, that's a, that's a great disguise. I mean, get one of those like curly Q ones, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the true evil villain. Yeah. So later. okay. so later the same day on April 30th, her husband's already dead. Mm -hmm. Melanie seeks out a restraining order against Bill in New Brunswick. (laughs) Okay, so she's dead. He's dead. He's dead. But the court doesn't know that. And so, like, I get what she's trying to do. She's trying to make it like to give herself an alibi. Yeah. Or set up like a self-defense type of type yeah, of yeah uh, but that's not gonna stand in court you just dismembered him maybe if you shot him <laughs> i mean yeah. ma- self-defense all right let me just take a minute yeah. let me just cut him up in little pieces yeah okay so it's believed during the three night stay that she dumped the suitcases in the how do you say it chesapeake 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 from the bridge tunnel on may 3rd 2004 so let's talk about the evidence. Yes, please. <laughs> so on April 26, 2004, Melanie bought a gun in Easton, Pennsylvania. Oh, so she this... literally bought it for this purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like, she, it's not something she just owned. No. This gun was a 38 caliber rifle with bullets that were called wad cutter bullets, which happened to be the same bullets that were found in Bill's torso and head. Shocking. I know, right? When the police interviewed the gun shop owner, he claimed to have remembered Melanie because not a lot of women buy guns, which I guess is fair. And on a form that Melanie had to fill out, she wrote that she was a registered nurse. So I guess like that's something that you just remember about somebody. It's just like if they're a registered nurse. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know any statistics about how many women buy guns, but... I imagine that there's a probably not in 2004. Oh, that's well, probably yeah. now, not yeah. in 2004. I that's don't true. Think. Surveillance camera caught someone getting out of Bill's Maxima in front of the Flamingo Hotel, and it was a woman that looked identical to Melanie. She was also caught moving the car in the parking lot with an accomplice and with an accomplice in the passenger seat. The police couldn't identify because the face was never shown on the camera, but it's believed to be her stepfather. Which so that's her- the only thing I've from like what I've looked. Like, he never gets brought up again. Her stepfather (laughs) helped her cover this up and nothing happened to him? They have no evidence, clearly. I mean, I'm sure... I would have thought it would be Dr. Bradley. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But... He's a doctor. (laughs) 
He's like, if I was going to kill somebody, it wouldn't be that way. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably be able to shoot help him, her hide it better. Shoot him with some air in the blood. Cause of, no, cause stop. Of. There was there was some movie that I watched where they did that to murder somebody, and I was like, oh, it was God. on um, it was on Law and Order. She yeah. did it to kill well, the old ladies. Yeah, but there's stroke. there was a movie I saw back like when I was younger, and that happened to somebody, and I remember being terrified of getting shots for a while after that because I'm like, they're gonna and they're gonna shoot air into my blood, and I'm gonna die. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Police also found toll records that show Melanie driving to Delaware on May 3rd, just a few days after Bill was murdered. And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. Which this, they believe this was the trip that she threw the suitcases Hmm. off the um, things, the tunnel. Yeah, the tunnel. Melanie argued that she was going to purchase furniture in Delaware for the new house since the state did not have sales tax. That's, I mean, that's, that's a fair argument. Yeah, but <laughs> did you get any furniture? That would have been a better... Uh... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they didn't see the suitcases, so they can prove that she had them. Okay, on the McGuire home computer, the search history showed a search for undetectable poisons and a search for how to commit murder. <laughs> Melanie, <laughs> sweetie... <laughs> We gotta talk. We, we gotta talk about this. <laughs> Not very smart. No. <laughs> like, delete, delete your search history. I knew how to she do probably that. Probably did, but like, they, they could still pull that up. I know, but still, like, maybe just don't Google it. How to commit murder? <laughs> maybe like, you should just find a book. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in a How to commit murder? <laughs> Shit, if FBI ever look at my search history, they're gonna be like, what the fuck? I know. Bitch. (laughs) Just like that. Obviously, the three suitcases that Bill was found in belonged to the McGuire's, and they were all purchased together as part of a three-piece set. The suitcases he was found in was Kenneth Cole. Uh There was a fiber that was found on Bill's body that was the exact match to a sofa that sat in the McGuire's home. The sofa had conveniently gone missing when Bill did I don't know how the sofa plays into it, though. Yeah, it, but... maybe he was asleep on the sofa and not on the bed? No, he was asleep bed? in the master bedroom. Was the sofa maybe in the bedroom? I don't know, Brie. That... He didn't say that. That's the only thing I could I could guess why. Because, like, why did it go missing if there's not, like, blood on it, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. That's, that's, the only, that's my hypothesis. A medical-grade towel was also found with Bill's body that was compared to the ones the clinic where Melanie worked used, as well as a few that she had at home. This was also an exact match. So it's really not looking good, Miss Girl. (laughs) I mean, she tried to be thrifty, and it just backfired on her, you know? Police also examined the black garbage bags that Bill's body was wrapped in, and they matched the exact same brand that was in the McGuire household. Melanie! Come on! (laughs) It's the it's the small details. Get rid of the shit. <laughs> Dr. Miller would testify at Melanie's trial where it came to light he had been working with the police to try and get Melanie to confess over the phone during one of their calls. The police had om- almost immediately began recording all of Melanie's phone calls and had recorded over 500 phone calls. They didn't catch anything. 
That's a lot of phone calls. Well, I take that back. A few of the phone calls, Melanie was heard joking about killing Bill and was reported showing absolutely no emotion at her husband that her husband was dead. I mean, she was able to literally stop and go pick up her kids from daycare in the middle of dismembering his body. She's so. doing her best. She's a mom. <laughs> she's a working mom. You, you think gotta, she's going to leave her kids at gotta daycare? Do, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. But You anyway. think she's going to pay that late fee? <laughs> no. She's busy murdering her husband. She ain't got time to go to work. <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay, so Melanie's arrest and trial. On June 2nd, 2005, Melanie was arrested in her home in Brick Township, New Jersey. She was charged with first-degree murder and released on bail. Okay, so you release her on bail even though she literally murdered a dude. What? Well, you're innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. Yeah, I get that, but... If she's accused of first-degree murder. I guess it depends on, like, her history. If she was clean, they would probably just give her a high bill. I guess. Which, in South Carolina, you only have to pay 10% of. I mean, I am I know it's usually you only pay a percentage of it. You don't pay the whole thing. Or you put something up Which for collateral. Which is, like, so stupid. I mean, like... You just I, make them pay the whole thing. I get it, but at the same time, he's stupid. I know, but like, if you're only gonna ask for a thousand, why ask me for ten thousand? She was charged with first degree murder and released on bail. Melanie would then be rearrested a year later with two counts of hindering apprehension and was released on bail yet again. I need to have a word with these, <laughs> with this justice system because what? Like- during her sec, yeah, during her second arrest, she wrote letters to the police, allegedly trying to get the blame off of her. I don't know what the letter state. They never released them. Probably something along the lines of "I'm a working mother," and the like the whole the he, he he hit me. It was self defense. On March fifth, two thousand and seven, Melanie would finally stand trial for the murder of Bill McGuire. Melanie tried to vilify the media, but the media in turn stated that she seemed very relaxed during the trial. And was even seen joking with her attorney while they had breaks during the trial. Okay, wait. This is my favorite part. It's not my favorite part, but, like, this is my favorite part of the case. Melanie was representative by Joseph Tacopina, Tacopina, who who has represented Meek Mills, Jay-Z, Alex Rodriguez, Yankees third baseman, Joran Vandersloot, (laughs) Natalie Holloway. Joran Vandersloot, yeah. Michael Jackson and Daniel Snyder, owner of the Washington State football team. Uh, No, it's just Washington football team, not state. Whatever. (laughs) Washington's football team, okay? Yeah, I know. Washington's um, not a state. This isn't like about yeah, Washington is a state. I mean, there's Washington State, but this is the this is the Washington football team from DC. Oh. <laughs> so it's just Washington football team. Whatever. I don't <laughs> football. A legal TV drama called The Guardian was inspired by Tacopina's courtroom style. It was a CBS show that ran from 2001 to 2004. I don't think I heard of that one. Because it only ran from 2001 to 2004. I was alive in 2001 to 2004. <laughs> I could have I know, heard of but it. I'm saying Law & Order SVU is dominating. <laughs> You're not wrong. It came out in like 98, I think. Okay, so prosecutors told the jury about the jury, the jury <laughs> about the chloral hydrate and a syringe that was found in Bill's car. <laughs> so funny to me. She's, like, really bad at this. Yeah, Um, clearly. 
March 21st, 2007, Dr. Brad Miller testified, which was reportedly the most anticipated part of the trial. He stated that Melanie and he had a three-year affair and told the court about how he received oral sex from Melanie when they first got together, which I don't know what that has to do with anything, but he told the court. Yeah, like, that's a... I don't know, but Mr. Miller, that seems uh, a little a little TMI. A little risque. A little TMI. <laughs> the prosecutors then showed the jury how Melanie took a page from Dr. Miller's prescription pad and forged a signature for a prescription for the chloral hydrate. That's what I figured earlier. I, I swear, that not that why they stopped doing prescription pads and everything's electronic now? Because people kept stealing them? Probably. Okay. The prosecution argued that killing Bill was a grisly escape from her loveless marriage and that McGuire knew that the divorce would be costly and that Bill would fight for custody of the boys. Well, ma'am, trial's costly. Yeah, I was about to say trial's costly. Going to jail or going to prison for the rest of your life is costly. I mean, you got to weigh the pros and cons here. On April 23rd, 2007, Melanie was found guilty of first-degree murder. She was also found guilty of perjury, dissection of human remains, and possession of a weapon for unlawful purpose, although she was acquitted for charges of hindering apprehension, tampering with evidence, and possession of Xanax without a prescription. (laughs) I didn't realize dissection of human remains was, like, a charge that somebody could be charged with. That's interesting. Maybe maybe that's just, like... Maybe it differs by state, and that's just like a New Jersey thing. Probably. Interesting. On July 19, 2007, Melanie was sentenced to life in prison at 34 years old. Judge Frederick Tivasa, who presided over the case, described it as very horrible and brutal murder with an obvious level of complexity and methodical detail. Unquote. Arguably. However, she was not very methodical. <laughs> I was about to say, arguably, not so much. <laughs> like, she tried, but she missed some very, very important details. Custody of the boys were awarded to Bill's sister, Cindy Lagosh. Cindy and uh, Melanie's parents, Linda and Michael uh, Caparero, Caparero, fought over custody over the boys after trial. I didn't look to see who won. Um, cause I'm sure both are fit. If I'm wrong, please tell me. Um, mm-hmm. just not that I didn't care. It just was an integral part of the story. Yeah. Allison Lee Kelsey, a longtime friend of Melanie who insists that her friend is innocent, reported that being incarcerated is horrendous for her. Melanie is innocent. She is struggling to get through her daily existence. She is devastated, but is most concerned for her sons. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the point of going to prison. Like, you're supposed to feel bad about what you did. Yeah, and I guess she was, like, suicidal afterwards or, like, had mental problems because she went to a psych ward and was under watch after sentencing. I get it, but you murdered somebody, so you should feel bad. And Mm -hmm. I think that's an... I think that's one reason why I'm more of a fan for life in prison because... Assuming the person actually feels any ounce of sympathy or any sort of, like, empathy or emotion, they're going to eventually feel terrible about what they did, and it's going to guilt them for the rest of their lives. So, arguably, that's a worse punishment to me than getting off I guess it just depends. Like, if somebody wants to die, I would sentence them to life in prison. If somebody wants life in prison, I would sentence them to die. (laughs) Make the punishment worse, you know. (laughs) Yeah. People who fear death. Depending on what they did. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you can't send somebody to death if they, like, shoplifted some gum. (laughs) Death! (laughs) Death! 
Um, there was a my sister did a sketch. I think she posted it on TikTok um, where I don't remember what the person was accused of doing, but it was like a court case type thing. And uh, he, he was like, do you have anything to say to yourself, uh, say for yourself? And the criminal was like, uh, Mercury, Mercury was in retrograde. And then it basically he gets off because because of that. And that just reminded me of that. Anyway, I'll send it to you. Yeah, do it. That sounds really funny. In 2020, Melanie sat down with the show 2020 for an interview. Mm-hmm. She told interviewer Amy Robach that she is still fighting to overturn her conviction, although she's exhausted all of her appeal options. Amy asks, do you still insist you're innocent? To, in which Melanie responds, absolutely. Um, and goes to insist, insist that circumstantial evidence is what locked her up, which is true because all the evidence they presented was not physical. So it's only circumstantial is what can place her at the crime. Well, um, wait, what about the like the suitcases that they trace back to being owned by her. Because it also was owned by Bill. I guess, but how's Bill gonna chop himself up and put himself in the suitcases? Yeah, but it's still not physical. Like, they still can't physically prove she's out the crime. I guess. Which, I don't know if they ever found that crime, which I'm sure they did. Um, Melanie tells 2020 that Bill was a gambling addict, and she believes he was killed over money that he owed. Sure. (laughs) She claims the killer is still out there and it's not her and she regrets not testifying at trial, which arguably probably would have made it worse because that's why attorneys tell their people not to testify at trial. Everything they say and do is being analyzed by the jury. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, even if they don't testify, like, if they're just sitting there, their demeanor is going to be analyzed as well. very important. Which is, like, what they mentioned earlier with um, how she was caught, like, making jokes or whatever with her attorneys in between like during breaks and stuff and so like if you don't show any ounce of remorse they're gonna you're more likely to be (laughs) sentenced to guilt but yeah it is what it is okay this is a quote from melanie quote after all these years i still feel hurt i still feel bothered like how can anybody think i did this end quote so there's a podcast that I just recently learned about. It's called The Direct Appeal, which is hosted by criminology professors Dr. Amy Schlossberg and Megan Sa- Dr. Megan Sachs. I haven't listened to it, but it's reportedly it's a podcast that looks into the evidence presented against Melanie McGuire in the case and argues that although there was plenty of circumstantial evidence presented that placed Melanie at the scene of the crime, they cannot prove with any physical evidence that she committed the murder of Bill McGuire. So I don't if anybody's listened to it, you want to tell me that if it's good, I don't I don't know about it. So I can't say anything. But um, I know Melanie is hoping that this podcast helps get her conviction overturned. So, um, because that was talked about in the 2020 interview. I think it would be more likely to overturn her conviction if she had been, like, sentenced to death. Because I don't think that's Mm -hmm. something that you should be able to do if it's, like, you're only sentencing them based off of circumstantial evidence. Because that's, yeah, I feel like that's a little bit different than, because, like, at least if you're in prison for life, like, at some point. At least you're living yeah, you're you're alive. So I, if at some point some evidence comes out that you actually, I think. Well, weren't... I think you have to have like if you're sentenced to life, I think you have to actually have unless like you get one like I know Kim I had Donald Trump um, overturn a conviction for somebody for a drug charge, but unless it was like I think you have for a life conviction, you have to have something that physically proves that they're not. You can't just say oh. 
You know what I'm saying? I, it, like, I, I mean, don't think maybe, it's as easy as she's hoping. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's the thing is that for it to be overturned, like, I think it would be definitely easier if it was like, I don't know. If, if some sort of evidence comes out that exonerates her or at least causes reasonable doubt, then yeah, she'd be more likely for that to happen. But I mean, if this happened back in like the early 2000s and nothing's really popped up since. Yeah, she's now like from what I've read and from what I watched on the 2020 interview, she's just now starting to like rebring light to the case. And I think yeah. it's because this podcast was picked up, which is great. I think it's great that somebody's looking into it, but mm-hmm. I think she did it. I mean, I'm not a criminology professor, so I mean, that I'll take what I say, grain of salt. Yeah, based off of the information, I can't think of anybody else who would have done it. I mean, even uh, if it was a somebody who he owed money to from a gambling debt, it's still, aside from his car being at the Atlantic City and at the Flamingo Hotel, nothing else kind of circles back to that. Yeah. And I'm assuming I mean, they looked at the house and they yeah. saw that the crime scene was at the house. So, And then also the fact that they caught Melanie putting the car there in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. not Bill. That's what I'm saying. I think, yes, it's circumstantial evidence because you can't physically put her anywhere except the Flamingo Hotel, but all of it is very strong circumstantial evidence. Yeah, and then also the um, Walgreens for the prescription. Yeah. So, like, there's that, too. So yeah, and those it, I think those two pieces alone speak more to her guilt than like any of the other stuff well, because it's like it's it's actual proof like she was at the Flamingo Hotel because they have this footage of her and they know that she's the one who bought this prescription. Well, and she has a witness or um, Dr. Miller's testifying against her. Yeah. So. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's circumstantial evidence. You can't physically put her at the scene of the crime, but or you can tie her to the the with the um, circumstantial evidence. You can tie her to the scene of the crime, but you can't physically prove it. Sure, yeah. you can't, but the circumstantial evidence is very strong yeah. to the point where you almost you obviously don't need it for this case. Yeah. So I mean, unless anything else comes I mean, up, because somebody. Was- it was her suitcase. It was the medical towels that she uses. She stole the prescription pad to write a fake prescription. She texted mm-hmm. that she wasn't going to work. She laced the drink with the stolen prescription that she wrote. A, she forged a prescription for. Mm-hmm. Um, she's caught put dumping his car. She's caught uh, going to Delaware where his body was dumped at the tunnel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like all of it, the Google searches. Um, yeah. I'm sure there was blood that was shown um, on the ba- in the bathtub. Yeah, so it's, I don't know, to me, just even just the surveillance and then the receipt for the for the prescription, like those two things alone tell me that even if she didn't do it, if she didn't physically murder him, she was at least she involved. She was a part of it. She was an accomplice. Yeah. So that the only thing that, so they say that it's not likely she had an accomplice. However, I think that she might have because she's 5'4 and she's very small. Yeah. I don't see how she was physically able to drag him to the shower and cut him up and dismember his body parts. Yeah. I think she, and, somebody else had to help her with that. And at the very least, if she did do that by herself, there would be blood and more than just in the bathroom. Because, like, yeah. to get him from the master bedroom to the bathroom, she'd have to drag him along the ground. So there would be more physical evidence, I would assume, if that were the yeah. case. 
I mean, I guess they couldn't use physical evidence since he was killed in their home. So yeah. everything was going to have her touch anyways. Yeah. Which makes sense because you see that in a lot of like crime scenes that are at the house. Mm-hmm. But it was her gun. She was seen buying the gun. Same bullets. Same bullets in the body. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? There's so much that places are there yeah. circumstantial wise. You almost don't need physical evidence. Yeah. And... I know that the there legally there are nuances always to what can like convict a person, but I would yeah I'm leaning towards like she was at least involved if she wasn't the one who did it like entirely. So either yeah. way, she's gonna spend a good amount of time in prison. And the only thing that I've seen about his gambling addiction is from her. Nobody else yeah. has backed that up. So how do we know he even has a gambling addiction? Yeah, because, like, I would imagine one of his friends would have, like, said something, been like, oh, yeah, he, uh, we we would go to Atlantic City, like, once a week or something like that. I don't know. It, like, somebody would have said something. Well, all of his friends were pointing their fingers at Melanie. Jonathan yeah. Rice, who confirmed the body. Everybody that was at the funeral. Mm-hmm. Everybody was pointing their fingers at Melanie. So, clearly, she gave them some reason. Plus, mm-hmm. the evidence that was presented at court. Clearly, she was found guilty. Even if she didn't do it, she had an accomplice, which I'm still not sold that she didn't have an accomplice. I don't know yeah. if it was her stepfather. I think it's Dr. Bradley Miller, to be honest. Mm. That's my personal opinion. Please don't sue me. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if... Well, because like, they said that it wasn't clear who was in the footage at the Flamingo Hotel with her, but obviously it's a man, so it could be her stepfather. It could also potentially be Bradley Miller. Which I don't know if it's... I take that back, because I don't know, because... I don't know if it's Bradley Miller, because, like, like I said before, he's a doctor, so I feel like if he was going to murder somebody, he would, because he's a doctor, he would have knowledge on how to do it and get away with You know what I'm saying? Maybe, but to be fair, there are a lot of stupid doctors out there. That is <laughs> And I say this just because it's like, somebody could be a doctor and have a specialty in one area of medicine and not necessarily be, like smart in another type so like do we know what kind of doctor he was a fertility Um, doctor okay so he's a fertility doctor he's probably not going to be as well versed in um surgery yeah like surgeon surgical at the very least if he was a part of it i'm sure he would have gave her better a better idea than dismembering her his body I mean, probably, but... I don't think, to be honest, from what I'm seeing, I don't... I think he wanted her to divorce divorce yeah. Bill, but I don't see him wanting to get rid of Bill. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He's a doctor. He's going to be fine either way. I keep mm-hmm. saying he's a doctor because he already has money. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's yeah. fine either way. Yeah. She's giving him oral sex. That's about it. That's all he's getting. Stop. <laughs> I mean, at, at least that's... <laughs> The fact that he said that on the stand, I'm still just like, Brad. Okay, so um, Melanie is incarcerated at Edna Mahan Mahan Correctional Facility for Women in Union Township in Hunter Hunterdon County. And she must serve 85% of her life before she's even eligible for parole. Her parole eligibility date is listed online as May 20th, 2073. And that is the story of the suitcase murder. Thank you for coming. <laughs> that is very interesting. Like, I'm not surprised, I guess, that she did it. Because more often than, like, 
Statistics show you're going to be murdered by somebody that you know. Chris, don't murder me. (laughs) And like, that's another thing is that usually the spouse is the first person they're going to look at because you have instances like this where like, yeah, it's obvious that she wanted him out of her life because not only did she like she just didn't think it through. Yeah, she had a, you want a, a long-term battle? affair. Yeah, you don't want a custody battle and you don't want to pay all of these costly like divorce fees yet you're going to murder him and then have to deal with all the costly court costs from having That's the to thing. defend they yourself from murder. They think they're never going to get caught. They think yeah. they're untouchable. It's amazing, amazingly stupid. That's that's mm-hmm. what that is. <sighs> well, thank you for bringing that case to my attention. I I would be surprised. I would be surprised if she didn't have an accomplice too. Like you said, because she's petite and all that. Like I don't know. Maybe she did CrossFit. I, <laughs> like maybe she's just very like toned yeah, underneath. Think, when you're dead, you weigh more, right? Because yeah. it's all the dead body. All that dead body weight. Yeah, that's true. So I would be surprised if she didn't have an accomplice, but I guess so we... she would have to drag him down from the bed mm-hmm. all the way to the bathroom, all the way into the shower, mm-hmm. and then cut both of his legs off and his arms and his head and half of his torso. That's a lot of cutting. Yeah. Girl, I'll be tired. <laughs> I mean, she's clear. She's a working mom. She's She's got the energy, you know? Single mom who works too hard and loves the kids and never stops. You're not wrong. Uh, well, that's that's that, I guess. I mean, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on it and see if anything comes up. But I'm I don't think anything will. But who I'm knows? Listen to that podcast. Maybe yes. they have some news. Yeah, listen to the podcast. See if there's anything of interest, and we can bring it up in another episode if anything pops up. Yeah, we'll keep so. you updated. Yes, we will keep you updated. So we are on social media. We are on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We are on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One. We are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. We are on YouTube and Facebook at Shockingly Wicked Podcast as well. Yeah, you can just type in the URL now because we have URLs and it's great. Anyway, we have our website, which is shockinglywicked.com or shockinglywickedpodcast.com. They're both going to take you to the exact same place. We also have our Patreon that is linked on our website and also I believe in the bio that we have on all of our social media. So go ahead and check it out. Thank you so much for your support. Everything that you give to us financially goes right back into the podcast, making this better for you guys. We really appreciate your support, even if it's not financial, just you listening. That helps us too. And we and really sharing. appreciate Yes, and sharing, writing reviews. Yeah, just getting the word out there we really appreciate all that you guys do for us is there anything else you want to add before we skedaddle Mm -mm. excellent so thank you guys again for listening be sure to check out all of our stuff that we have just listed because i don't say it for nothing (laughs) and we will see you next week bye bye